Welcome to Larry Reese America. Uh, today, this is another segment of our uh, Veterans Audio Journal, and we have Reed Meyer, who uh, was in the Marine Corps, and this will be Reed's first podcast, so uh, welcome to the podcast, Reed, and tell us where you were born, what's grade school, high school. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Larry. It's, it's is an honor to be uh, be a part of this with you, and, and thanks for the invite, first of all. Sure. Uh, I'm a local boy. I'm from Batesville. I went to St. Louis grade school, uh, Batesville High School. Um, I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school, in early early 90s, 93. Uh, first time was 93, 97. I got out, um, started life, went to college for a short time, started working, and then 9-11 happened. And I went back to the Marine Corps um, with a reserve unit at a Terre Haute. Okay, so when, were you on a delayed enlistment, or did you get in right away? I was. It was a delayed uh, delayed entry program. I signed up initially between my uh, junior and senior year that, that mm-hmm. August, and uh, I graduated high school in May, the end of May, I guess, and uh, July sixth of 93, a month and a couple of days, I took off. So that was quick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where'd you take your basic? San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I had the choice, and you know, I'd never been to San Diego. Uh, and what was the other choice, June? Paris Island. <laughs> yep. Yeah, big choice. <laughs> well, I had a, I have a, a relative, a cousin of mine, he went to Paris Island, and I, well, it's funny how it all worked out how the Marine Corps came into my life, but I had some time there to think about things, and I thought, Jesus, Paris Island. And I don't know about that. Well, that's, I've never heard of a Marine accidental death in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure know heard of Paris Island. Yeah, there's been some, some accidents there, so, for sure. So, when, uh, after, yeah, basically was, ba- no, Marines longer than eight weeks. Isn't it's thirteen. It? Yeah, thirteen. Thirteen weeks. And so basically, that's the thirteen weeks in basic. It's nothing but infantry training. Well, it's in my opinion, it's more about being a Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you do is geared towards combat. You're the, even the nonsense games they play with you. You think you're, they're just beating you down. But it's all, everything you do is geared towards warfare with the Marine Corps. Uh, The Marine Corps doesn't have chaplains. We don't have medics because everyone in the Marine Corps has to be, quote unquote, a killer. Um, We borrow the Navy's chaplains and medics for that. Yeah. Uh, You know, we are a department of the Navy. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I think you learn the the customs, the history of the Marine Corps, uh, basically how to be a Marine, dress like a Marine, you know, that. Mm -hmm. Um, in the 90s, everyone, after boot camp, everyone went to what was called MCT. It's it's Marine Combat Training. And there you learn more infantry skills. Um, it's a short, I think it was four or five weeks, something like that. And it was at Camp Pendleton. It was north. Um, San Diego is obviously MCRD. But uh, about an hour north is the base Camp Pendleton. And that's where most of the training goes on. Mm-hmm. So after MCT, then you split off to your different MOS schools. Um, and at the same camp uh, was SOI, School of Infantry. So I just 
took a short walk to the new barracks and hated. okay so and so your mos your advanced training was still infantry then yeah 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 so and what was that another eight weeks you know i don't know i listened to the other podcast and i was trying to think of how long that was yeah. but i the only thing i remember i got out of there uh january 19th i think we may have gotten there thanksgiving but i'm not i'm not certain mm -hmm. so but yeah six eight weeks something so, yeah. like that so after that where'd you go <laughs> well i ended up in third battalion first marines uh, which I'm incredibly thankful for, um, extremely proud of. But it wasn't so much that way at first. Mm -hmm. We uh, At the end of SOI, they had us around. They, they called us around, explained the units that we're picking up from this class. And they said, uh, you know, this, this unit does this. They fly over to here, you know, where they blah, blah, all this nonsense. And they said, and then 3-1... They're picking up from this class. We had no idea who's who. You know, we're brand new. Mm -hmm. And they said, y'all rem remember three miles down the road, whenever we do our humps, those guys that come out of those barracks and scream and yell and throw stuff at you and, you know, all this and that. I said, yeah. I said, well, that's 3-1. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you got a, you got an entire regiment of Marines. There's usually four battalions there. Yeah. And there's only one that if you're walking down the... the road on these humps i mean it's just it's horrendous there's guys it could be four in the morning they'll wake up they'll get out of the rack and scream i mean just throw stuff beer cans are hitting them. like holy shit oh those guys are nuts and uh they explained you know they they deploy um you'll deploy twice with them you'll deploy on a ship and you'll go here and there and whatever um i'm looking at my body i'm like man screw that those those bastards <laughs> And the rest of them are like, yeah, fuck that. We don't want to go there. Gets down the line. Gardner, 3-1. You know, Lemaster, 3-1. Meyer, 3-1. Oh, no. <laughs> so where was your first deployment? Um, the first deployment, we, uh, I was on the Essex, the USS Essex. Um, we, uh. God, we went through Asia. We went through all this fun stuff, you know. Yeah. But uh, Saddam was pulling troops along the border. This is the winter of 94, 95. And uh, he's pulling troops along the border like he did, you know, doing yeah. all this nonsense. So we went there. We went up on um, a place called Udari Range, which every Marine now that has been through the, the new Iraq war, mm -hmm. that's kind of the staging point for when you go over uh, but it was barren at that time. There was no buildings. There was no nothing. So we went up there and uh, basically dug holes and sat there for, I don't know, weeks, a couple months. Really? I don't know. They don't have like like a CB unit or anything comes in? To well, they had... Quants and huts or anything? Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing Because like it, it was kind of a show of force, a mm -hmm. nonsensical yeah. type thing. Um, and we just took a position as a big circle um you know here's the marines this is your roadblock you know mm -hmm. if with the numbers that they supposedly had and the numbers we had it wasn't yeah. going to be a roadblock <laughs> <laughs> there's 900 of us and they said there's a couple hundred thousand over yeah. there i mean what we you know <laughs> yeah but uh one day so i'm sitting there doing nothing um 
we'd train and stuff. You know, you, you yeah. can't leave Marines oh, sitting idle. I mean, somebody's no. going to get murdered or pregnant or who knows what. Yeah, or they'll make moonshine. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so one day I'm sitting there in the hole and it's dawn had just come up and um, always enjoyed the sunrise, especially in those places, because it's, you know, and in the wintertime in the, in the desert over there, it gets cool, mm-hmm. you know. You can just feel that rush of warm air coming in. And I'm sitting outside my hole, you know, propped up, smoking a cigarette or something. And the staff sergeant's coming down the line. And, uh, you know, he's morning marine, you know, check on everybody. And I hear this banging, just this clank, clang, 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 way off in the distance behind us. And I can see some activity back there. And uh, he says whatever he's saying to me. And I said, hey, staff sergeant, what's going on back there? He says, well, they're... They're pounding in engineer stakes. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are they doing that, Staff Sergeant? And he says, well, we're going to put our shelter halves up. Oh, what the? What? You know, Charlie Brown. Yeah. You know. yeah. Oh, like, what are we? I haven't put one of these things up since boot camp. We don't sleep in tents. It's yeah. Goddamn. We're, you know. Especially I, in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> what the <for>? green damn. <laughs> And I'm just, I just can't, I can't, it's, it, I can't even fathom what in the hell we're doing. I said, Staff Sergeant, why are we putting up shelter hats? Because, you know, to put the uh, engineer stakes, they run a line off. And everything yeah. has to be covered in a line, you know, parade type ready. Like, what in the world's going on? He says, well, CNN's flying over in the morning. And uh, they're taking pictures of the, of the guys that are going back into Somalia. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> are we going to Somalia? <laughs> He's like, yeah, as soon as they, they fly over, we're getting back on helicopters and we're going back to the ship. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you could, we could have stopped all of this. You could have just said. Yeah. But that's so, how they talk, you know? Yeah. So you were there just a couple months. Yeah, a month and a half, two months. I don't know, something like that. back to the ship. Back to the ship. Then on to Somalia. Yep. Um, it was the, uh, the UN withdrawal. From Somalia, the final closeout. Okay. There were seven different countries there, and they couldn't fight their way out. Um, so they sent a battalion of Marines in to basically do it for them. So um, we hit the, it was the very end of February um, of 95. We, it was a midnight deal. It was no moon. Um, me, my platoon, we hit the beach in an LCAC. Uh, we had a couple Humvees, and uh, we uh, just, well, we hit the beach at midnight or <laughs> yeah. thereafter and did our thing. Did, Went yeah. ashore and... A little cleanup. Yeah, we spent a, spent a few days there, and uh, same thing. It was it was a withdrawal, you know, yeah. an evacuation, so to speak, of, of other military forces. So it wasn't kind of a, you know, hey, everybody yeah. see you later. They were still... You know, the two clans were still jockeying for territory. So um, when we were done doing what we were doing, again, my unit, we got back on a boat. And what was was there was there much fighting going on to get the people out or was it fairly smooth transition? No, it was um, the clans decided that they would rather fight once they knew. Every, we, you know, everybody was leaving. You know, we obviously had key territory. Mm-hmm. So they decided it would be in their better interest to fight, 
you know, the, the UN forces, the Marine forces, because they knew we would just withdraw. That was the mission. Mm -hmm. It would be better to try that than to fight the other clan in a sustained battle. So, you know. Really? There it so is. you would think they'd want to fight each other instead of... They wanted that territory. Yeah. The, the easier fight, if they would shoot at the UN, they would run. And they would immediately claim that territory rather than ongoing gun battles. Um, I can't remember the book. A buddy of mine, Chad Cole, um, wrote a book about our time there. Mm -hmm. and it gets, he gets into better detail of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so it was an in and out deal, basically. Pretty much. What, a, few a few days. days. Yeah, yeah, a few days. Yeah. So then back to the ship. Back to the ship. Um, and now... Except for that and the nonsense in um, uh, Kuwait. Well, we did train some of the um, um, Arabic forces. They call themselves special forces. But, in Kuwait? Well, yeah. in Kuwait, we, Jabal Ali. Um, we, I don't even know all the countries. We did some stuff in Saudi Arabia. Um, and maybe another country or two there. But um, once we hit that region, it was business and work. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're leaving. And we're heading to Australia. So, <laughs> Tough duty. Yeah, it sucked to be me. <laughs> Somebody to do it too. <laughs> so from there, now remember prior to this, we went through Asia. We oh, went okay. through Singapore and Thailand, oh. um, Hong Kong, yeah. a couple other places I forget. Yeah, um, I'm, a lot of battles going on there. Oh, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> battle to get battle to, to the bar. <laughs> battle to get back to the ship some nights. Jeez, Pete's. So, so from Somalia to the ship, and how long did it take you to get to Australia? How long, And how long were you in Australia? Um, I it feel like it was just a couple of weeks to get to Australia. We went to the southwest side. Of, it's a, The main city is Perth, mm -hmm. and uh, the port city is called Fremantle. And I, I don't know if you've talked to guys that have been there, especially no, on a ship. No. It is the craziest thing you've ever witnessed in your life. You go through Asia, all these places you go to, and you're allowed off the ship to the bars. You dress in civilian clothes. And they tell you to try not to look like an American or, or a Marine. I mean, yeah. how could, you know, that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You get into Fremantle, and they tell you your first night out, you're in your uniform. And... You saw this picture, like with yeah. a uniform with the sombrero on. Yeah. That was in Perth. Yeah. Um, so you man the rails, and it's a big, a big thing. Here comes the U.S. Navy. We're all manning the rails, and there's a building, big long building, with a flat deck on it and railing, and it's full of nothing but girls. <laughs> so now we came from, you know, Asia, where they want your money. Yeah. They don't care about you. They want your money. Here, they want you. They're going to buy you drinks. Oh, God. Well, because we're polite. We're gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess down there, the guys aren't. Yeah. And you'll see moms, daughters. You'll see a mom trying to pawn her daughter off. And I'm, I'm 20 years old. Yeah. You know, I'm from Batesville, Indiana. I don't, yeah. I mean, this is all. <laughs> like, what in the hell? And the older guys is like, keep that uniform on. <laughs> she get off that ship without that uniform. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? What about OPSEC? What about... Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Not here. So. So how long did you stay in Australia? I think it was about a week. Oh, okay. So just a little rest and relaxation. Yeah. 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 The, uh, well, the first night, I, th I feel like it was a test. 
so they tell you that you can go out, but you have to be back at such and such time, midnight or whatever, one o'clock. Um, and of course the old guys, when I, you know, I fo- usually followed those rules, especially yeah. overseas. I mean, yeah. you, you can't mess around with things like that. But, um, the old guys, <laughs> no matter what you're doing, no matter what the situation, have your ass back yeah. by this time. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, no problem. Obviously. Well, there's a couple guys a minute or two late. Well, they weren't allowed to leave the ship for the next two days. Or for a minute or two. Well, yeah. Whoa. I mean, it's the Marine Corps. It's, yeah. you know, be your ass is here by this time. Yeah. You know. Um, well, you missed a lot of fun. Yeah. Because they tell you at that point, all right, be back in three days. And if you're back in that amount of time, then it's be back one day before we leave. Mm-hmm. And then they'll let you go out for that evening. And stuff. Yeah. So. But from there, we got back on the ship, and uh, I believe, well, we did that twice. We did that on the two deployments, and I can't remember if it was the first or the second, but then we went to uh, Sydney, and we stayed a couple of days there, um, probably about a week. One of the times, there was a typhoon in the region, so they extended our stay for three or four days. Yeah. But that was that was okay. Sydney's big, big city. It is. Yeah. It was it was just like an American city, but everybody had accents. Yeah. I mean, Fremantle and Perth was more like a an Oldenburg type. They had the old brick structures. You know, it was very yeah. nice, very. But it reminded me of home a lot more. Yeah, I've just seen pictures. You know, Sydney and you know, yeah. ultra modern. Yeah. And, yeah. It's just like any city here. Yeah. And I, yeah. I didn't care for it. Nah. No. It's so. Australia then where? Um, well, one of the, again, I, again, I can't remember if it was that deployment. I think it was the next deployment. Um, and I want to come back to some of these because there's oh, some stories okay, with all of this. But um, we went up north and uh, did some training there. Um, you know, we're out in the wild doing whatever, just being Marines, you know, with yeah. typical training. Get back on the boat again, go to Hawaii. Uh, sit at Waikiki for a while, drinking beers and doing nothing, and then back home to Camp Pendleton. Um, and we did that twice. Really? Yep. Yep. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad duty, but there's but eventually you have to pay for it. Well, I mean, you're training in these places too. You know, yeah. we are training in yeah. Singapore jungles. We're, yeah. you know, um, you work for it. Yeah. But ship life is, I thought it was similar to being in prison, to be honest with you. Because yeah. we have no function. You'd get up in the morning and you'd go eat chow. You'd come back from the chow, you'd clean your weapons. Well, in the afternoon, you'd, you'd go to lunch. In the afternoon, you'd go work out, you'd exercise. If you're lucky, the flight deck was open. Because the ship I was on was a helo carrier, it was an mm-hmm. LHD. And, uh, if they weren't doing flight ops, if you were out in the middle of nowhere, you could run in circles on the flight deck, mm-hmm. which is nice with fresh air and stuff. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you're stuck in a gym. You know, there's no windows on a on a ship. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, and then when to switch it up a little bit, the next day after breakfast, they'd have you exercise in the morning and then clean weapons in the afternoon, and you did that every single day. <laughs> A rifle can only get so clean. <laughs> I mean, I, I know. <laughs> but my first, my first deployment on the ship, you know, everybody's got to do something. You know, guys had to do KP. Guys had to, you know, they 
there's vehicles and stuff in a well deck. They had to man that and all this nonsense. And uh, most of this stuff was a one week, two week rotation. Mm-hmm. My squad leader is a great guy. Um, he volunteered me for laundry duty, which, you know, twice a week, you have to take the whole gosh damn platoons laundry. I thought, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Why, what did I do? You know, <laughs> he said, shut up and do it. I said, no, you, what did I do? What the hell's wrong here? He says, Mario, you shut your mouth and do it. All right. He might've thrown in a trust me or something. It, it was clear. He thought he was hooking me up. I didn't think he was hooking me up. Yeah. But what the, the deal was is the next day you didn't have to really do anything because you're up all night doing laundry. Oh, I'm, I could sit in Iraq while these guys are playing games with the gunny who was, well, he was a gunny. But then you could charge the guys money because, you know, at that time your camis had to be pressed. Well, they had great big industrial laundry mm-hmm. presses there. We charge people. I made all kinds of money doing that. <laughs> As a corporal show, I'm so sorry that I ever doubted you. I'm making 20, 30 bucks a night. But in, yeah. on a ship, first yeah. of all, but in 94 and 5, that's that's a fair amount of money. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. So at, at that point, how long were you in on your enlistment then? Is that... Um, I took off on deployment. It was about a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. So when you got done with all the tough duty of Australia, Singapore, (laughs) Thailand, Hong Kong, that was pretty rough in Hong Kong. Oh, Hong Kong. Yeah, we could forget that. (laughs) So after after that rough duty. were you deployed to Iraq or any place? Well, no, um, this is still in the 90s. Still so the Iraq oh, war hasn't yeah, kicked yeah, off yeah, yet. Yeah, it's kicked off. Yeah. Um, so when you come back to the States, you know, that it's there's two cycles of Marines there. So half the platoon is leaving. They're going home or transferring mm-hmm. or whatever. So now you're the old guys. So you're the squad leaders and whatever. And now you got a whole bunch of new guys, but you don't pick up everybody from the same infantry class and guys are transferring in from other units. Mm-hmm. So there's, I don't know, a month or so of downtime um, before the training cycle starts. And the training cycles are pretty rigorous. It's, I mean, you are here, there and everywhere. Um, so your battalion is what's on I Mess and maintenance, I think they call it, um, to where the guys that are staying, they're farmed out to different areas around the camp, you know, to mow the yards or, you know, just the yeah. nonsense. Just the, yeah. um, just to keep them busy. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I was never farmed out, so I was, I was, whatever I did, wherever I went, I was always with the platoon. I was always mm-hmm. with, you know. So <laughs> for about a month, my day consisted of you know, showing up for formation in the morning, you know, dressed as you're supposed to. Some days it's PT gear, some days it's proper uniform, some days it's your dress uniforms. But, uh, you know, you'd do something until 9.30, 10 o'clock, and they'd tell you to go stand by and wait for the word. Which usually meant that, you know, 11 o'clock, that's the lunch formation. Mm-hmm. So you'd show up at 11 o'clock for that formation, and most of the time they'd say, all right, see you tomorrow morning. Really? Because there's 
you're at a quarter of a platoon. There's yeah. you've done what you're, you yeah. need to do. So, San Onofre Beach was just a few miles down the road. So, you know, you'd pass two PXs that had cold beer on the way, and we'd load up, and that's what we would do. The weekends we'd be in Tijuana. And <laughs> I mean, it just, it, but it was everywhere we yeah. went, everything we did was mayhem. Like if there's more than four Marines, especially from my platoon, there's fights. You're going to be sprinting down the street. Yeah. You're probably whatever car you came in, you're, it's left. And yeah. two or three of you are going to have to share a cab back and hope everybody else gets back. So it's not all just yeah. relaxing. Oh, you know? I know. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we had, when I was an MP in Canal Zone, a uh, lot of problems. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but, so, basically, uh, did you stay in the States then for the rest of your tour? No, we did another uh, deployment. Um, so the new guys came in, and uh, the training cycle started, and, you know, we're like the first time, well, my the buildup for my first deployment, I got to that unit, like I said, January 19th, I believe. Um, I believe March, we were, we went to 29 Palms. A couple weeks there, it was a, what's called a CACS, it's a combined arms exercise. And mm -hmm. it's basically, the command is fighting a war without anybody shooting back. It's mm -hmm. a maneuvering, a lot of air ground type stuff. Um, you have artillery, you're calling for fire of the mortars, artillery. You have jets, uh, helicopters, and it's all to get the units synced together. Yeah. Um, my deployments, the first one was with the 13th MEW. Um, it's a 13th Marine Expeditionary Unit, and they say special operations capable. What that's referencing, though, is that it's not just a warfighting type. I mean, we are a warfighting unit, mm -hmm. but um, embassy evacuations, you know, the humanitarian missions, things like that. Anytime you see, you know, Marines are just popped up in any sort of situation, that's a mew. Mm -hmm. It's like hurricane relief. Um, and then, of course, what's happening in the Gulf right now. There's yeah. a couple of mews sitting in, you know, off Israel right mm -hmm. now. And there's a lot of firepower that comes with that. So anyway, at, at CACS is when the command elements get all of that worked out. And so we just roamed the desert as if there was a war um, going where they tell us to go. We'll blow off, you know, blow some rounds downrange here and there and then mm -hmm. pack up and move. Um, and I remember when I got the unit, one of the old guys, he said, uh, bring your old bring your old camis because you're going to destroy them. Really? Said, Dude, I haven't been in the Marine Corps a year. I don't have old camis. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, well, you better go get some new ones because the ones you bring, you're going to destroy. Yeah. And he was right. It was whatever it was, four or five weeks, I mean, you're, they're shot. Yeah. It was just that intense. Yeah. Um, and I spent my first birthday in the Marine Corps at CACS. Um, squad leader took a little ration out of an MRE and stuck a cigarette into it and lit it. And he's saying, hey, happy birthday, kid. So, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So, so uh, what was your first enlistment three years? Four. Four, four years. Yeah. Okay. So when when you went in, okay. What, describe yourself go, going in, and what? How did you evolve coming out after your first enlistment? <laughs> well, 
I don't know how to say it. I, I probably smart ass would be the best way. Yeah. Um, I was athletic. I wasn't you know, out of shape or anything. I played basketball and whatever, you know, the whole time. Yeah. So, but I was, I was six feet tall and 150 pounds when I walked into MCRD San Diego. Um, well, let me tell you first how I came to join the Marine Corps. I kind of just fell into it. Um, I'd always grown up knowing I was going to join the army because I wouldn't be like grandpa. I wouldn't be like an uncle. I wouldn't be like, you know, stepdad, all these people that I thought were great human beings and, you know, and treated me a certain way. I wouldn't be like them. Mm -hmm. Well, first step is joining the army. Well, I got to high school and, uh, you know, started noticing girls and started, you know, expanding my views on things. And I thought, well, Jesus, I'm joining the coast guard. I'm going to go down to Florida. I'm going to be on a boat during the day and I'm going to party on the beach all night. And this is just going to be the greatest thing ever. So I took the ASVAB and I didn't think about Alaska or these rivers and whatever. But anyway, so I take the ASVAB and on the bottom of it, it said, are you interested in military service? Can a recruiter call you? Well, of course I checked. Yes. Within a couple of days, the Marine Corps calls and they're on it. Yeah. And they said, uh, I understand you. And blah, blah, blah. I said, well, yeah, but I said, I don't think, I don't think you're the guys that want to be talking to me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I said, I'm about half a smart ass. I'm, you know, the other half's kind of a pussy. And I just don't think you guys are looking for a guy like me. He says, what the hell? He says, let me ask you. He says, you play sports? I said, yeah. He says, you ever been in a fight? And I said, well, yeah, I told you I'm half a smart ass. He's whatever, another question. And it, I answered positively. And he says, well, he said, I think you'd do fine. You mind if I come talk to you? Well, sure. I mean, I'll yeah. talk to you. And in my back of my head, I mean, you're wasting your freaking time, dude. I mean, there's no yeah. way I'm going to make it in the, in the damn Marine Corps. So he shows up and uh, he at my, comes to my dad's house and he's sitting at the kitchen table and he starts laying out all, all this bullshit, you know, what the Marine Corps can do for you and all this. And I had some time to think about it, and I thought, Jesus, the freaking Marine Corps. I mean, this is this is serious business. This isn't, well, it's not anything else in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's laying this out, <clears throat> and, I, and I decided if if I got a chance at this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a freaking Marine if I can. And so I, he's laying this out, and I, he has said, all right, just... Before you get too deep into all this, I said, you're sitting here, you're looking at me right now. I said, do you think, and no bullshit, do you think that I can make it? And he looks at me, and my dad's standing up at the other end of the table, and uh, he looks at my dad, and looks at me, and <laughs> you could, the, the gears, like, what the fuck is this kid doing? And he says, uh, if you try, if you give a damn and you try, he's like, you'll be fine. I said, no, I'm in. He says, well, don't you want to hear about all this? You know, we, oh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I want you to tell me all this, but I'm in. Yeah. He looks at my dad. He's like, is he serious? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Dad's like, that's the way he is. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, I'm serious. If I got a chance to be a freaking Marine, yeah. I'm going to take it. I said, I'd still want to know about all this, but you don't have to sell me on anything. I'm, I'm in. And he says, this is the weirdest goddamn visit I've ever had in my life. <laughs> So, so when you came out, 
You, if you, let's say you went in at what? You were 17, 18? I was 18 when I set foot on the yellow footprints. Okay, so you got out of 22. Mm hmm. Okay. What changed when you came out? Uh, Pretty much everything. Um, And that was the the hardest time of my life. The hard, and I've said it a hundred times, the hardest part of the Marine Corps is coming home. Mm-hmm. No matter what you deal with, no matter where you go, whatever war wars you see, battles you fight, the hardest thing is coming home. Um, the first time I came home, um, it was almost heartbreaking to an extent because all my friends are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that I spent four years with, twenty four seven, twenty four seven. Yeah, you know, and, and you know we're. We're infantry. We sleep next to each other mm-hmm. in the field. You know, when we're back in the in the barracks, um, well, back at Pendleton, we had three or four man rooms, so it was you know. But a lot of times, the different places we go, we were in the boot camp style barracks. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes sleeping, you know, we'd come back off the um, back to a base in Kuwait or Iraq in the nineties. We'd be an air base, and we they'd put us in a warehouse for a couple of days. You know, they had a shower. We got 40-some guys, two showers, and you're, you know, so you're yeah. laying on concrete, rolling next to each other. It's, yeah. I came home, and, uh, you know, the first couple nights, you're drinking with your buddies. You're, you know, having a good time, so you go to bed with buzz. But I remember, you know, one night, I, I forget, I didn't go out or whatever it was, but I'm, I go to bed, and it's quiet. And I realize there's nobody standing watch now. You know, in the Marines, there's always a yeah. couple of guys on fire watch. And I was terrified. I'm, you know, the door's closed. All the doors in the house are locked. And, but it's silent. And no one's on watch. Mm-hmm. i like, oh, shit. Yeah. I got it. This might be a problem. Yeah. So, you know, it was scary. So, but as far as, you know, like when I came out, you know, I was smart ass kid going in, mm-hmm. and when I when I came out, I was on my way to being a young adult, and uh, with a lot of patriotism that stayed with me the right. rest of my life. And I just wondered if if you kind of did the same thing where you were all of a sudden you were grown up, you came home, and well. Yeah, um, I I had a plan. Um, there was a girl back here. Um, obviously, when you're gone like that, that doesn't. No matter what is said, that doesn't. That never works out. Um, so that was a change of plans. But you know, my mind had shifted during that time to where, you know, now there's rules. You know, when you're in high school and stuff, nobody gives a shit about the rules. Yeah. You know, you're going to, you're cutting school, you're drinking beers, you're doing this and that. But now I have, you know, this set of rules in my head. You know, and this is the way life is supposed to be. This is the way you're supposed to dress. You know, all these things, however it is. But I get here, nobody's doing that. You know, everything's upside down. You know, to where once was normal and expected and you get credit for this or whatever, whatever. Um now none of it matters. It, it's just everything is upside down. You got to relearn how to live. Yeah. And I think that was the toughest 
one another of the tougher things. Um, and it's time, you know, it takes 13 weeks to become a basic Marine. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, two or three days at the end of your time and a handshake. Hey, good luck. Get out. Yeah. And that was, I think that's where a lot of people have the problems. You know, the add to the problems that they have. There's yeah. not a transition or you know, a way to teach these guys how to transition back into civilian life. Right. Well, when you, when you knew you were getting out, did you have any idea what you wanted to do for work? Well, not really. Um, I had tossed some things around. Um, my, my thought at the time was, to again carry on just like the guys that I spoke about yeah. earlier, my grandpa and uncles and, you know, whatever. Um, I wanted to come home and just go to work and start life, maybe a yeah. family, maybe, you know. But that was my goal is to have, you know, that white picket fence. Um, obviously, things took a way, way right turn. <laughs> left turn and then all around again but well how how long after you got out how much time did you spend thinking about things before you actually went to work somewhere um well i uh i got out i came home on a thursday and my dad had gotten me a job at cummins um it was a summertime Mm part-time thing um and i started monday Really? Yeah. And that didn't go very good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I took two weeks, and that still wasn't long enough. So I showed up, and, uh, you know, that's a big union shop, and they're hardcore yeah. union, or at least at the time. And uh, so they walked me in in there, and then these are your coworkers, Fred, Bob, Bill, whoever, you know. I think there's probably four of us. And I was sitting in this factory, and we had the regular metal folding chairs. And it's the biggest, an area probably as big as this, your building here, maybe a little bit bigger. But the assembly line for the engines came off the, off to my right. And they'd stack up on this conveyor, fully assembled engines, fresh out of paint. And uh, once that conveyor got full enough, some other guy would come and put them on engine racks and put them in this bay. And there'd be 10, 20, whatever, engines in this thing. And the, my job was... You had these thick rubber gloves and take this rag and this solvent and you'd walk down the uh, aisles of engines and you'd wipe the overspray off the decals. Now there's two, three, four decals on this gosh damn engine and it takes one swipe. It's not, you're not scrubbing nothing. It's just, you know, and it's done. So once you did that, then you sat back down in that chair. Now this, this task took maybe four minutes, if that. I can go out of my mind. You then sat back down in this chair a half hour, 45 minutes. It got, I got, I, I, I went till Wednesday and all day Tuesday or half the day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. I just, guys, I got this. Just stay seated. I'll, cause I needed something to do. Yeah. And I'd wipe all the engines. Well, that only took 12 minutes or so, yeah. you know? That just drives me crazy. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, was, I just, this might be a good job. And my dad's like, you know, this is, you can get, you know, full-time career here. This is a great job. I'm sure it is, Dan. I'm sure this is great. And 
I cannot do this. Yeah. It, it takes a certain mentality to be a factory. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's great people can do what they have to yeah. do, but I could never do that. that. I think that's probably the worst experience or the worst example of the factory life there. The other factories cannot be like that. Uh, I want to go help the guy take the engine off the rack, and I got yelled at. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to help. I'm bored yeah. here. Yeah. Well, union. Yeah. 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 They've got to, guy. Uh, one of my friends years ago told me at uh, Hill Rum he had a small convention in Chicago, and a plug. Somebody knocked the plug out of the wall. And that no one was allowed to touch it. I just can't. I don't understand. Yeah, they had to call a union guy in <laughs> to plug. Some, some electrician, trained electrician. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. That's how I could see it up there. Yeah. So. So obviously you didn't stay that long. No, I did not. Yeah. And my father was very disappointed. Well, yeah. My dad wanted me to go. My dad wanted me to go work at the post office. When I came <laughs> home. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it was, you know, and I, I, I took the test uh, before I went in the army, and uh, before I, I think my stepmother sent me a letter in basic training, and said, "Oh, post office said, as soon as you come out, go to work there." And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, just, I, I was afraid I'd get stuck in, in something that's so repetitious. You know, like if I was in sort mail, hall, yeah. I, I thought it'd drive me crazy. Yeah. So I, I obviously didn't do that. But I've so, got to be around people. i got to move. And yeah. So, but, so um, I decided I'll, I'll try to try college. So I did for a year, and uh, again, here I am with a bunch of guys or a bunch of people my age or a little younger, um, and we were. I found out how different I really was yeah. since I had come home. Um, and there's some stories there, but it was not for me. So yeah. I came home and I went to work in Greensburg. I became a machine operator. And uh, well, I didn't particularly like that, I could do it because mm-hmm. I was thinking. You yeah. know, I had to think about things, and I, yeah. you know, moving around. I, you know, these are my tasks, but I was making my own decisions with that. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I can do this for a little bit before I figure out what the hell's going on. Well, all of a sudden, nine eleven happened, and uh, you know, like the rest of the country, you know, yeah. I'm still able and fit. I'm whatever not too far removed from the Marine Corps. 9-11 was on a Tuesday. Um, I realized at some point, Wednesday or Thursday, that we were going to go do something because, you know, so many times we allow our enemies well, to get over us. Were you an active reserve then? Or no, I was, I was free out, and clear. Okay. I was absolutely done. And uh, I realized that we were going to go go to war. And, you know, Jesus Christ, you got to be a part of that. So by Thursday, I had made the call and I said, you know, this is who I am. And he said, um, what's the code on your bottom of the bottom of your D214? And I told him and he said, when can you be here? I said, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. So they asked what I want to do. And I said, well, I don't want to I don't really want to go back 
active duty. I said, I just, I want to go overseas when it's time to go overseas and I want to be home. I said, I think the reserves is, is yeah. the route that I want to go. And he said, all right, with your, you know, your MOS, you can go to someplace in Ohio or Terre Haute. <clears throat> I said, well, if I'm going to go to war, I guess I want to go with a bunch of Hoosiers. I mean, yeah. I want to go with some goddamn Buckeyes. <laughs> he looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, just Indiana is where I want to be. And, uh, so we did and we missed the invasion um that unit was supposed to come south out of turkey um turkey at the last minute denied you know the use of the troops and stuff so we waited till january of 04 to go over you know when the oh whatever the hell they called it after the major combat operations you know and uh, they sent us to Abu Ghraib prison Um, oh but that was delightful (laughs) yeah that was that was pretty wild Um, you know now I'm with reserves now and you know the stereotypes and the things you know like this is these guys are not Mm 3-1 3-1 marines were brutal we're I mean The propensity for to, to, towards violence was always number one with three mm-hmm. one. Um, then humor, with these guys, humor was always number one. Number one, yeah. So I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, I'm not, I don't know about this. Yeah. And uh, sorry guys, if you're listening, <laughs> but uh, we they sent us there, and we took over from the 82nd Airborne. They had held the place, but they were losing it. You know, they'd. They were at Abu Ghraib. They were high-level terrorists and common criminals. Common criminals were allowed visit visitations and stuff. And the high-level terrorists, their buddies were trying to break them out all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's under constant attack. So here we go. And uh, they truck us in. And it's, as soon as we pull in, it starts taking mortars. Yeah. Like, well, you know, this is, it's war, you know. And, uh. We're getting off the trucks, and I hear something at the back of our truck, and it's somebody, not one of us, is thanking and congratulating and whatever. And these guys are Lance Corporals now. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I get I get over there. Like, Who's messing with my guys? You know, it's this Army Major, and he's just hugging Marines. He says, oh, thank God you guys are here. We blah blah. We've got a chow hall here. I'm like, you got what? Yeah, we've got it open for you guys, and we're so happy to... Like, what the hell is going on here? And that was my first indication of what we were walking into. Because he was leaving. No, (laughs) No, he he wasn't leaving. He was just happy Marines were there. He didn't know who we were. That's just we were Marines. And hopefully they they would be all right now. (laughs) But, oh, my God, this is so bad. (laughs) But, uh... So that was wild. Yeah. Well, you know, some some of the officers in the army, it's, yeah. it's amazing that uh, there was a lot of reserve. Die in friendly fire. There was a lot of army reserves there, and a lot of those guys were well, they shouldn't have been. Yeah. I mean, just plain and simple. They just weren't. They weren't qualified. No. Yeah. Uh, there was a national guard unit there. 
which I've, I've never understood that. I, I, the National Guard should, should stay here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in their title. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that they let themselves get into and the, uh, the punishment for that is, you know, it's disheartening. It's disheartening yeah. that our government would send units like that. Yeah. So. So how long were you there? Um, 210 days, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So we were there. Um, no, no relief, no R&R. No, 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 no wow. you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, our mission was to defend, defend a base. We were on the perimeter. We were running convoys from Abergrave to various bases, um, you know, people that needed to travel. We were the, the yeah. escorts. And, uh, you know, close perimeter security. Mm-hmm. So for the first few months, I don't know if you've seen my April mm-hmm. post I put out every year, but for the first few months, um, we were it was we were attacked every day, usually multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, you know, always rockets and mortars, but a lot of times, you know, full on attacks. Um, you know, they were the objective was to break their buddies out of, of yeah. the prison. Um, sometimes we had intel. You know, they were going to overrun us, and or they thought they were going to overrun us. Uh, we had car bombs. We had, yeah, but, but I mean. You're in the desert, right? Well, it's it's more of an urban. Oh, type. okay. Well, sort of. Out directly to our south was a giant field of this tall, I don't know, ten, twelve foot type grass. Oh, grass okay. Type I was going to say, but lots of luck if there's. Well, there was in two the major highways, two major routes, um, Tampa and uh, I think it was Tampa. Jesus, like it's 20 years ago. Yeah. Sword in Tampa, I think. Anyway, on the South Highway was the highway that took from Baghdad to Fallujah. And Fallujah was just down the road, just of, I mean, it was the outskirts, basically, mm-hmm. of the of the suburbs of it. But uh, the North, I can't remember what that connected. I'm sure Baghdad and something else. But um, so they were major highways, you know, right off our, our perimeter. And, uh, you know, we did what we were supposed so to do. So basically, one of these idiots, suicide bomber, is driving full blast to break to break into the prison. Mm-hmm. So, and hopefully, other his other terrorists would follow. So would you just have snipers picking them off? Oh no no no! It, you just hammer down oh, with okay. machine guns. Okay. The the one of the worst ones. It was on the north side, and uh, we had intel. But they were, uh, it was going to start at 6 a.m. They started off with rockets and uh, then mortars. And they were going to, again, hit the north side with um, a a V-bed vehicle IED. Mm -hmm. And then behind it would be some sort of heavy weapon systems, truck mounted. And then, you know, truckloads or buses of individuals. And they were just going to bomb rush the place. That was their plan. And... uh, they said, uh, you know, it's good intel. This is this is happening. So the day before, my buddy was the company gunny, and I'm going through my guys' stuff and with the ammo that we have and stuff. I'm like, God, you know, if we're gonna if this is gonna be an all day fight, especially inside, we need more rounds. 
so I go to him and I, and I tell him this and uh, I said you know I got I got concerns about tomorrow he says well you should you're not helping me here buddy <laughs> and uh, so he says grab a couple of marines and something to carry shit with and meet me over at this Connex box and he opens this Connex box and it's nothing but filled magazines well, normally you just, you just yeah. get boxes of ammo you fill your own names he says take whatever you need and uh, he says you notice I'm not writing anything down right well he's telling me we can take the mag- keep the magazines mm-hmm. and ship the magazines home mm-hmm. which I did <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, strangely enough years later I'm pulling into my place on Western there and I hear this yell down the street and it's a distinctive, you know, every Marine has a sound yeah. they make when you yell. Like, Jesus Christ, I know that. I know that sound. I look down the street, I don't see anything. I, there's a mailman way down there, but I don't see anybody. So I go about my business in the driveway and stuff, and I hear it again. It's that company gunny. He's oh, a Batesville really? mailman. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Jesus. But uh, anyway, so on this particular day, I'm a little nervous about things, and so the intel's good. It's going to be 6 o'clock. Haji doesn't get up much earlier than that anyway mm-hmm. from you know midnight or whatever. It's pretty calm. So I get up early, and I'm getting myself ready, I some stuff to eat, I you know whatever. I'm getting ready for this potential day-long fight. Well, I'm nervous. My gut's churning. We had Porter Johns there. Uh, you know, I, gotta, I better do this now before. Yeah. Well, I keep going. I just... You know, and I'm watching the clock. Oh, Jesus Christ, this quarter till six. <laughs> like, holy shit. So now I'm morning, you know. Well, finally, I'm, I'm, I got all my stuff on, all the, all my shit. Yeah. And it's squeezed in this goddamn portage on. And uh, I finally get out of this goddamn thing about just before six. And I'm running to get to where we're all supposed to be. And here's, here they come. The rockets are going, like, oh, fuck. So here we go. I'm not sure if I've got a clean ass or not. But I'm you know, like, Jesus Christ, I hope I don't die with an ass full of shit. My mom's going to be so upset. But um, so, yeah, they, and it all happened, like they said. Um, there was a Suburban that pulled in with a bunch of artillery shells, and they got it, and I couple other vehicles one of them had a russian anti-aircraft gun mounted oh in a pickup truck um in a pickup oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> they, they uh they were some well they did their best to make every to make things work yeah. in the most unconventional way i mean yeah. it, was, it was ridiculous um but yeah i think that one made the news yeah so you were there 210 days. Mm-hmm. Now, when you left Quebec with your reserve unit, mm-hmm. were you done then? Well, um, yes, but no. Um, the, the, my command at that time was really, really, really bad. Um, there would be days and days in a row where I didn't see anybody that mm-hmm. you know was above a sergeant and I'm a sergeant yeah so um by the end of it at a certain point I don't know if it's three quarters of the way through or what at a certain point um 
our first sergeant got in trouble. Um, he got taken away by the MPs. And no wartime stuff. It was nothing like that. It wasn't, it was just plain stupidity. Mm-hmm. Um, my CO, the company CO got relieved. The XO got relieved. Um, and a couple other, uh, somebody else might have went to jail too. But um, battalion commander got relieved. And it was it was mayhem. Jeez. Sergeants were running the thing, the whole thing from the start anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so it's pretty. I loved the guys I was with. I I wanted to stick around with that, but I was so disheartened by my command. I couldn't believe the Marine Corps let shit like yeah, that happen. Yeah. You know, shit yeah. bags like that. Um, but we came home and they basically said, you know, come back, whatever, two months, you know, to, you're on leave and whatever. And I had been thinking about things. Um, and I just didn't want to do it again with yeah. that unit. You know, if, if the guys, if everybody would have transferred to a different unit, I'd have stayed in. But so I, well, was it harder leaving the Marines this time or before? Um, well, <clears throat> it's probably hardest the first time because that's, that's all I knew at that yeah. time. Um, but. I, I guess what I'm saying is getting back into civilian life. It, that's, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough question to. I still I still was able to maintain some of the Marine Corps and you know especially with those guys mm-hmm. the second time. Um, I mean I'd talk to somebody probably every other day. Mm-hmm. We'd get together at least once a year um, as a group, and then you know in between we'd see each other you know, here and there. Cause it's, again, it's a reserve unit. We're all yeah. semi-local. I was the one that lived the farthest away. Um, so that made, <clears throat> that made things a lot easier cause you had your a support network towards the first time. Everybody's just gone. Yeah. You know, your yeah. nearest buddy yeah. is in Chicago or the Nashville area. Yeah. And you get, when you get together, I know I've seen some photos on Facebook, what once a year with a group with the Iraq guys once a year. You know what? <clears throat> excuse me. With the Somalia guys, we get together every other year. Every other year. Yeah. So I had those bastards here in Batesville. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they were from the big city, they probably got surprised. <laughs> well, I tell you. Well, after that Somalia deployment, um, five of them came here for a few days, and one of them from Chicago. And he said, "This is the greatest place he's ever been." Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, we came. We went to Thailand. Batesville's better, man. <laughs> well, you know, everybody's traveling. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the first time I was in New York City, if you'd say good morning to somebody, they'd say, they'd look at you, you know, like, what's, what's, yeah. what's this guy doing? What's yeah. coming? Yeah. So it's a different. So when you got out that time, um, did you do the gun shop right away, or was it? I was involved loosely with Chafee. Okay. Uh, we were, but I, what I immediately started doing, a buddy of mine, well, let me back up. A good friend of mine, when I got back to Camp Pendleton after Iraq, one of my 
core friends from grade school on. Uh, he happened to be living in the L.A. area. And uh, he had aspirations of getting into the movie business. And he had a short film written, him and his buddy. Um, well, he came to the base, which, <clears throat> you know, at this time, you know, things are different. You know, yeah. we, we've seen more. We've, you know, this is a locked on Marine Corps unit, mm -hmm. whether they started res reserves, but, you know, they've proven themselves with everything that had gone on day in and day out there. Um, so we, we get there and, uh, Buddy knows what camp we're going to be and all of this. He's going to pay us a visit at some point. Well, he gets there early. The whole battalion's on the parade deck. And uh, I'm standing in front of the platoon. And I see this fucker pull up uh, all the way across the parade deck. I'm like, oh, my God. Colonel's over there. I mean, it, it, everybody's over there. And he pulls up right next to him. He gets out. Hey, guys. He's shaking her hands. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I call somebody from the tune up and, you know, stand here and I go jogging across the parade deck. Well, of course, the whole goddamn battalion is watching me run across the parade deck. I'm yelling at him. I'm like, hey, you know, and he's like, hey, raid, buddy. And he goes to give me a hug. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I put my hands I'm like, don't. And he gives me this big hug. The whole goddamn battalion in unison goes, oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm like, Dick, listen, buddy. And he got it at that point. I'm like, just stay here. Don't talk to nobody. I'll be back to get you in a minute. So I dismissed this. Anyway, so he he actually hung out there for a good while. So I did came, he ever get in the movie business? He did, yeah. yeah. He's got a he's got a company out there right now. Um but I, I came home and a week or two or whatever later, he called and asked if I'd come back out and help with that short film. And it was an Iraq thing. Mm -hmm. um, so in the process of, of that, his other brother was starting a, uh, a new business and uh, asked if I would help help with that. So that's what I did for a couple of years. And then that's evolved into the gun stuff. Gun stuff, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, now, actually, you've been with the post office, what, five years? Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. it's uh, a lot more security, and, I mean, you in a small town, it has to be great. I mean, you know everybody. I know everybody, everybody. I, yeah. Um, and the best part about it is, is, they can't stand in the post office and talk all day about things I don't want to talk about. Right. Right. And yeah. remember how it used to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause that's, uh, you know, I, I noticed was it's not when, when you cl closed up the gun shop, something Greensburg and people just hang out. There. Yeah. I mean, they ask questions and they're buying things. They just want to ask, ask questions yeah. about guns. And, and when uh, they find out you're a Marine, then they want to tell you about uh, their cousin's brother's nephew. Uh, and, yeah. You know, uh, it, just, it just wears you out. So, yeah. So, so anyway, um, now that, let's see, 20 years, so what, you're in your 40s. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
how much have you changed since you were a teenager? <laughs> I mean, I mean, stop. I mean, like, shit. I'm 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 85, and I still think like I'm 18 or 20 most. Well, of the time. you know, um, when I was a teenager, I used to love being around people. I'd parties, and I'd, you know, wherever everybody's at is where I'd want to be. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to be around anybody. Really? I, I've just had enough of everyone. Yeah. Well, it's it's different. Uh, as you like, I it's hard for me to be fake polite. You oh, know, yeah. I can't. The the small nonsensical talk, I don't like that. If I'm gonna talk to somebody, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk, we're gonna talk. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I've always been direct, but <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> Being in retail for you know for years in business and that, uh, <laughs> it, it, and I have like I have people come up to me and I have said this on another podcast but do you know Eric Menner? No, <laughs> oh, you're asking me. Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm in Kroger one day picking up stuff for Nancy. <laughs> I'm walking out with a cart, and this guy keeps looking over at me, smiling. I thought, looks familiar, but he's sure a hell a lot older than what I can remember. Right. So anyway, comes over and says, you don't remember me, do you? I said, ah, face is familiar, but it's been a long time. He said, I'm Eric. I said, well, Eric Menner. Yep. I know your brother Keith, Ron. We were talking, and we're pushing our little carts to the car. And Eric said, you know, you get older, it's really tough to remember things. And I said, yeah, I know, Eric, but I remember in April 1981 when I sold you a Kawasaki 50 CSR. He said, no, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> yep, exactly. But so things like that will pop in my head. Yep. And as you... Like at my age, you get on that back nine, and I'm more interested in family and friends than I could care. When we sold our home in Panama City in 2010, we've been on vacation since then. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't... I'm not going to drive to Florida. I mean, you know, I just don't want to do it. But... uh, and get more involved with family, especially if you have priorities a lot. do change, yeah, and yeah. you and uh, you focus on what's more most yeah, important. Yeah, and it, it's uh, but somebody put on Facebook the other day uh, three stages of life. You want things, you get things, and you get rid of things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> And that's kind of that's kind of the stage where they're getting rid of the yep, stuff. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's uh, what where do you, where do you see yourself ten years from now? Um, hopefully the grumpy guy that says stay off my lawn, everybody that passes by. <laughs> no, I um, uh, I hopefully I continue to to go on with the Marines, the local Marines in the area. Yeah. The the things I do with the veterans and you know we've feel like we've done some really good things yeah um, we're kind of keeping a lot of it below the radar now we you know we had that the thing with the organization we started 
few years ago. Um, just kind of put that off to the wayside, but continue yeah. in that respect with things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to get guys more involved with, uh, you know, the local military organizations, the legions, the BFWs, because if, if we don't, if we're not involved in this, that stuff's going to die out. You yeah. know, we is my generation and yeah. younger. Um, you know, I feel at this, you asked where I'm at in life and where I want to be. Um, I feel most comfortable around veterans now because mm-hmm. there's, What's a bond? well, a- and there's things that you don't have to say that another person understands already. Yeah. You know, if you're not feeling right or if you're acting funny, well, that guy knows why. Sure. You know, and, you know, it's not in a severe word. Everybody's, well, let's talk. Let's, I don't want to talk. Yeah. Just give me, you know, but you don't have to say that with other bets. Yeah. Um, and conversely, you know, you can see it in them too. And you know what, what to do to help. Yeah. And that's what I want to keep doing. Yeah. Well, that's right, because, you know, it's, uh, I'll tell you, life, life's short. And one thing about getting old that's really tough is watching your friends die or, yeah. or, or have Alzheimer's or some kind of badass disease. And um, I hope to take a golf ball straight to the temple one day. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to see it coming. <laughs> I don't know. I want to be on the course at about 85 degrees on the 16th, 17th hole. Maybe a couple beers in me, having a good day, and just an errant ball out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I I intend to continue doing this as long as I'm not a babbling idiot or, <laughs> or, or physically. I, I feel like your wife and kids might have had a joke right there at the, at the end of that one. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Matt, Matt always, you know, says things that, you, you know, and I, I, I told him, uh, I said, you know, one time, this is uh, a few years ago, I said, you know, I can't wait till I get old enough to embarrass the hell out of you. He says, you're there. <laughs> so, so, uh, and the thing is, with all the kids, they're all different. And I don't you didn't go to, did you go to school with any of mine or? Rich. Rich, you went to school, oh, yeah. right, you went to school. He was a year behind me, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, he's, you know, he's the baby of the family. <laughs> but the funny thing is with ours, uh, Matt is 52 and our oldest, Julie, is 60. So six of them between 52 and 60. Wow. And Rich is 48. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> Greg, uh, well, he went to school with Greg Nice. He used to come down after school and he'd sit on ATVs and stuff at a yep. Kawasaki yep. shop. Uh, it was fun. Yep. But St. Louis boys. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're, we're at a, an hour and 11 minutes. So. <laughs> I can talk all day, Larry. <laughs> I, I, I know. So, so, um, any words of wisdom for anybody who's thinking about joining? I, I hope to help more people join because otherwise yeah. they're going to have to bring back the draft. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with the draft. Um, I, I think there needs to be some sort of, um, service, their mandatory service, like but Israel not military. Has. Um, 
military could be an option. But I think the kids that are graduating high school right now should have two years of service. And that service can be a lot of things. Um, you'd go to the national parks, mm-hmm. clean that up. You could, I mean, there's all kinds of, go to small towns like Batesville and Oldenburg, yeah. paint street curbs, pick up trash. But I think the kids have to go or should have to go a thousand miles from home. You're out of reach of mom and dad. Yep. You got to survive on your own. I mean, not really, but you know, we'll feed you. We'll pay you at a private or, you know, mm-hmm. PFC pay rate. But for two years, that's it. Mm-hmm. Now you can choose the military to get out of doing that, but I think it'd do a lot of good for the, for yeah. the, this country. Oh, I did too. But, but you know, that's, uh, I had, I had three podcasts with Oldenburg or six podcasts with Oldenburg seniors, three with Batesville high school. These kids are really bright. Yeah. I mean, they're, and I, I was shocked. And again, this is not the whole school, but the seniors from both high schools are really, really impressive. Because, you know, I, I used to say a lot, you know, you just might not be the smartest guy in the room. I, didn't, I would never say that with these kids <laughs> because they pretty are the smartest yeah. ones in the room. I yeah. think the pro- we have a problem with kids in this country because of us. Um, you know, we, we, number one, we don't let boys be boys. Mm-hmm. You know, that we, we don't let kids go out and beat the hell out of each other every day. You, yeah. you know, just the things that were so natural for us growing up yeah. is frowned upon now. Yeah. Um, you can't play toy guns anymore. You yeah, can't chase people. So stupid. You it, can't it, chase each all. other around and play in war and stuff. Um, I mean, not too many years ago. Guys in high school would have a rack in the yeah. back of their pickup truck with a rifle on it. Yeah. Well, I remember that seeing now, that when I first went to Batesville High School. Huh? I remember seeing that when I went yeah, there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a normal thing. Yeah. And uh, it's it just, uh, you know. It's all by design, though. Oh. I mean, it, this is all intentional. Well, sure. With the, with the present administration and... and it, it, even some of these damn Republicans, it's name only. You yeah. know, they're just... It's well, they joke. get shamed into going along with that. There's no... there's no, And that's another thing. There's no pride in or honor in standing up for your convictions. Yeah. You, they, they come after these people so hard where they just have to cave or they'll lose everything. And the rest of society, us especially, won't back these people. Yeah. Well, see, with such a small... Like, you know, certain things really, I, like I think the transgenders. I mean, that's a mental illness. Okay, yeah. I, I don't, I don't give a damn if somebody's gay or not. But you don't have gay pride day and all that. You know, there, we don't have heterosexual days. <laughs> you know, or we don't have a white caucus. Like, caucus. Yeah. It, and, you know, who the hell, black caucus, if that's not racist as hell, I don't know what is. And they got even the police in Cincinnati, they got, they got a group of black cops that meet all the time. You, you know, it's, the skin color doesn't mean anything to me. And it never has. Uh, and I, I never, it, it's a perpetual 
Democrat thing to well, divide this country and to make, to get black people think that they're helping them and they've done nothing but ruin them. When you the communist or Marxist mo is to divide the population, sure. to divide it as much as you can, and for the last well since the sixties and seventies, um, you know the, under the guise of bringing everyone together and of, of every stereotype or every demographic um, they've actually divided the country even more yeah. um, well you know the A the ACLU they just changed the name that was the American Communist Party oh really yeah <laughs> you know I, it's why there's such a push now with all of the he, they, them, yeah. all this other horse shit. Yeah, that's it's just, just another way to that's divide people. And and you know the the college professors. What what kills me is the FBI, the the leader, not not the you know not the everyday FBI person, but the leadership. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're just simple minded. And, yeah. And you know, it's if, all. if Trump gets reelected. Uh, you you just cannot clean up Washington because both parties they're into inside trading they can they can buy stock they can be on a committee and and they approve something that they know the stocks can go through the roof they can go out and buy that stock they sh they should never be allowed while they're in office. Well, there are, there are laws anything. against that. It's just no one enforces it. Oh, yeah, because they're on ball. Yeah. And yeah, the only one that, that lost money in office was Trump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody else has made money. and It's unbelievable. And, and, and they just uh, let it keep happening. Yeah, it's awful. So. Well, anyway, I think we better wrap it up. We'll be at about an hour and 20 minutes. And, yeah. uh, We're starting to go down a dangerous road here. Yeah, I, I try and stay out of talking politics, uh, but it's, sometimes it's really hard. Yeah, so it's, it certainly uh, is. But anyway, Reed, thanks for being here. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Okay, we're going to go out with the national anthem. Okay, I want to thank everyone for listening. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And I will talk to you on the next podcast.